Welcome to episode 90 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Marketplace, Jackson Hole's little community market on the south side of town. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash JHM to learn more. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week I sit with someone connected to Jackson Hole to share their fascinating story about daily life. I feel we can all learn so much from each other, and I intend to search out people and their stories, which will teach us all a little about life outside of our everyday circle. My guest today is Macy Mott, who was born and raised right here in Jackson Hole and continues to live in her hometown. Macy is a huge contributor to the Jackson Hole community in her role as the founder and executive director of Riot Act, a local theater company. Macy shares with us why the theater is important to her throughout her life and why the arts are important for a healthy, vibrant community. As Macy says, theater is a form of art which is collaborative and teaches us how to be aware of other people. A profound statement and viewpoint of life which is so critical in today's world. We all can use more collaboration. Additionally, being aware of others enables people to communicate being in the moment. Macy's perspective about theater reaches deep into our lives. Macy, super excited that you're here visiting virtually to be a guest on the Jackson Hole Connection. We've known each other many years. It's wonderful to see you again. Great to see you too. Let's start off because this is this is the Jackson Hole Connection with what is your connection to Jackson Hole? How did you start here? I was born here. Wahoo! One of the few. <laughs> One of the few. Yeah, um, born and grew up here, uh, spent most of my childhood here. My parents moved here in the early 70s. What brought your parents out here? Um, my dad uh, was an orthopedic surgeon and they, he had spent a summer working at the clinic in Yellowstone and fell in love with the area um, and then they moved here. Oh, uh, my mom was from Salt Lake, so she'd been up here before. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Still lots of dirt roads back here, back then when your parents first moved here. It's hard to believe that there were so many dirt roads still in most of Jackson in the mm -hmm. 70s. Mm -hmm. And you are doing what now to be a living, surviving person here in Jackson Hole? Oh, do we do, we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, like lots of people, I do lots of things. Um, I am a travel agent at Aspen Travel. I've been there for 18 and a half years. And I uh, founded and run Riot Act, Inc., the a theater company. And tell me more about Riot Act, Inc., founding it and running that, what it's been like. And, and what exactly is Riot Act, Inc., when you say it's a theater production company? So we, I wouldn't call us community theater because we aren't what you would think of when you think of community theater. I would call us more of a um, local theater company, but we are striving to do more progressive work. But we focus on utilizing local talent and only bring in people to work on shows if their expertise is not found within Jackson. For example, I directed a show in the fall called Skin a Cat, which circulates around sex. 
So I brought in an intimacy director to help us choreograph all of the um, intimate moments in that show. Um, and since we've used her again, she came in for uh, Streetcar Named Desire as well. And hopefully, if we can do theater this fall, she'll be coming in for, she's also a fight director, so she'll be coming in to um, choreograph violence for our production of She Kills Monsters. But we tend to do shows that are like a little, not necessarily super mainstream. And then if we do a show, like a Shakespeare or something that's well known, we definitely put a Riot Act stamp on it of giving it its own sort of twist. Cool. What is an intimacy director? So anytime that you're seeing like people, anything from like a kiss and a hug to actually choreographing a sex scene, um, or, or sexual violence on stage, that person comes in and choreographs it to make sure that it's done safely, comfortably, that everybody involved is follow, following an exact choreography instead of just being like, okay, now pretend you're having sex, um, so that it's, it, it's a safe environment for everybody involved. An acting condom. Exactly. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I'm going to tell Sam that you said that. She'll laugh. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> what piqued your interest and got you into acting? And, and then to go start your own acting company. That's a big, big deal. It is a big deal. Um, I was, uh, the first time I was on stage was um, here in Jackson when I went to Wilson Elementary School. And I was in the 50 Nifty United States. I uh, was Vermont. Um, you make a great Vermont. I was a great Vermont. I could see that. Can't you tell? Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, the first time I visited Vermont was to visit Jamie Riley. Um, That's funny. Like, That's uh, hilarious. Like five years ago. Like, I had never been there. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I did, um, you know, school plays um, throughout my my school career i did a couple of community productions and then i majored in theater in college and i i've moved around a bit but when i moved back to jackson there was nothing going on um jackson community theater and um performing arts company jackson hole existed but neither one had done an actual production in a really long time. So I got a wild hair and decided to, on my own, not connected with any company, stage A Midsummer Night's Dream in the old black box, which is now The Rose. And uh, we had a really simple set. We built an antler arch and set it in Jackson and had a couple of trees we would move around for the Forest of Arden. And 25 people came out to be involved in that show. Every, every um, show sold out. So that really told me that Jackson was thirsty for seeing some live theater. Oh, well, and the Playhouse existed, but we all know the Playhouse is more geared towards tourists. So after that, um, performing arts company Jackson Hole, when they were led by Bob Berkey, started doing a few things and I met some more people and got involved with that. And then um, a few of us decided to start Riot Act. And, you know, as a 25 year old, you have no idea what's going into running a nonprofit arts organization. You're just like, yeah, we can do this. And that's sort of what happened. 
and we've been going strong ever since 2000 let's see we formed in december 2002 so it's been a while we're in our 18th season congratulations that's that's spectacular sometimes when you're just young and willing to take chances you don't know you don't have the fear to prevent you from not doing it exactly and what's that road been like over an 18 year period from conception to where you you are now you know it it's changed and grown and matured um in a very kind of slow way uh we've always been focused on the art of theater first and then figuring out what what we need to do to sustain that art so you know in the in the early years we basically lived show to show just paying for the next show with the proceeds from the first show uh, or the show before it and then um we started writing small grants and it's just very slowly grown um there have been a couple of milestone moments i would say um, a big milestone moment was when we were able to move into the Center for the Arts in February 2019, which is a huge step forward for us. Um, before that, we were very nomadic. We never had our own space. And that's really due to the fact that it's really hard to come by space in Jackson. But, you know, our my board was a little leery about taking on the commitment of having a rent every month and all of that. But Honestly, it's so helpful because we can, before that, uh, we were very blessed that Dancers Workshop has always been very supportive of Riot Act, and they allowed us to rent space from them for rehearsals and sometimes for small productions. Um, But we were always subject to whatever their schedule was first, and then we could come in. But now we can do things around our own schedule. We've been doing more classes. Um, before this whole COVID thing hit, we were planning a, an education program, but um, that's kind of put on hold right now. Yeah, COVID. COVID! That COVID! Wait, damn COVID! <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's just kind of been slowly growing, and um, and but that was a big, big, big step for us is moving into the center. It just gives us so many more opportunities to provide for the community. Um, so yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. 18 years of running a nonprofit organization that you created from ground up. That's, that's a big undertaking. I know, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't really think about it. You know, for me, it's, um, of course I see the big picture and have an idea of what, what direction we're headed in, but I, I kind of more see it on the, the day to day week by week basis. And don't think of the accomplishment as a whole. Um, that That's just kind of the way I am. I'm more excited about the fact that um, we can provide so many opportunities for our local theater artists um, because we really, at this point, Jackson Community Theater has really kind of gone into hibernation. They do a few senior center shows, but, um, we're really the only ones that are providing something for just for the local theater artists. Mm-hmm. And, and you said that you focus more on, let's see what you wrote. You said you focus on, on the art of theater first. Yes. What does that mean? So instead of trying to, 
I mean, of course we do think about this, but instead of trying to be like, okay, we're going to do this show because it's going to be popular and people are going to come in and it'll make us money. We think more about what is a show that we can pick that will start a conversation in the community that we're really focused on what the art on ways to do it on a small budget, but really focus on the performance quality and not necessarily focus as much on the design, um, which is where a lot of money gets eaten up because the art of performing and the art of bringing these shows to life is important. But we also are very focused on making sure we're doing shows that start a conversation and aren't just pure entertainment. Hence the show, what was it? How to Skin a Cat? Just Skin a Cat, yeah. To Skin a Cat, which Mm -hmm. hearing that title, you would never grasp that it's centered around sex. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's by a British author. It's it's a small show. We did it in our studio, which made it very much more intimate for the audience as well, because they were right there, and mm-hmm. there were people on stage having sex in front of them. Sounds like a nice green door performance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the black box. Yeah. Yeah. How was that received here in a community the size of Jackson? So shows like that um, are usually small scale, like that particular show only had three actors. Um, We were able to do it in our studio, which we can have approximately 40 audience members. The people who attended that show loved it. It's Mm -hmm. funny. It um, brings up all kinds of things that we all think about and never talk about. So it was, it was what well received by the people who came to see it for sure. Cool. I'm glad it was. Thanks. And looking at theater here in a community like this, or just globally, it, it is a form of art. And, and I appreciate the fact that you look at it as how what can you provide in an art form versus what's going to get us the biggest box office ticket sales, mm-hmm. biggest box office sales. Do you feel that live theater is coming back or before COVID, let's not even take into consideration COVID-19, but was that coming back in some ways? Is it go through peaks and valleys, live theater? It does a little bit, but any live event has a totally different feeling from like watching TV or a movie or, um, you know, listening to music in your car. Everybody loves going to a live music concert, right? So theater is kind of the same thing. Like it, live theater is, is something that is totally different and a totally different experience. And, you know, every night is going to be slightly different because it's live. Also, the other thing about live theater is there is no editing, you know, you're not like a podcast. It's not like a podcast. It's not, (laughs) it's not like a television show where you can have more than one take. You're out there on that stage and it just goes theater to me is more of an actor's medium i mean it's it's a medium for everybody involved i direct more than i act these days but where film and television really isn't an actor's medium it's more like you just stand there and say your lines and they may have you move a little bit but it doesn't have the flow where you can really 
get into a character in the same way. You're not rehearsing on the same levels, anything like that. And for me, a lot about live theater is the process. So from the minute we choose the play through auditions, through you know, initial rehearsals where we're sitting down at the table and really dissecting the show and the characters. And, and it, it changes and evolves through the entire rehearsal process and even through performance from, you know, if you see opening night versus closing night, you can see a progression and an evolution within the characters in the show and, and uh, epiphanies for the actors come up um, based on how audiences reaction reacting but that's the other really important thing about a live performance is that the audience and how they're emotionally connected and how they are reacting to a show so their energy really informs a bit about how the performance will go so you know one night we might have an audience that is uh you know really jovial for whatever reason and they're laughing at every joke and whatever and out loud um where you know another night we may have an audience that is still engaged but they're more like laughing on the inside or just smiling as opposed to making out loud noises so it, it just the energy can really change based on the audience and that changes the show too so it's it's something that encompasses everybody who is in the room that's I appreciate that explanation. Um, and, and while listening to you, I'm very curious that, you know, with putting on a show such as Skin a Cat that has three actors and this, the box office is very small. You said about 40 people. What does it take to put on a show of that size compared to maybe you're putting on, it's going to be in a theater of 200 people and you might have 25, 30 actors, performers, I should say. Um, it, it, it really depends. Um, but so um, this season so far, we've had Skin and Cat, which is a really small show. And then we did A Streetcar Named Desire, which, is, which was nine actors on the center stage, which is our first time doing a show on the center stage. And our big show of the year, where we include more actors and stuff as, and on a bigger stage, is generally a show that is more well-known and will pull in more audience. So uh, we, we try to do a musical every three years, things like that, but still maintain our identity as a theater company. But the budgets are definitely different. You know, you're paying more people to be involved. Uh, the space is more expensive, things like that. So when we're doing a smaller, more experimental show, it, it behooves us to just use our studio because you know that that's a cost we're going to have whether we're doing a show or not and it's also i personally really like the intimate nature of a smaller black box show that's something that i've always really been drawn to but the big shows and a musical is so much more expensive than a straight play because so we did chicago in 2019 at walk hall and that had i think it was 20 actors we had 14 musicians we had two choreographers, a music director, me as the director, stage manager, like, like there were so many more people involved. And the royalties for a musical, so for example, a regular play to do six performances is usually about $100 a performance for a straight play. 
for a musical because you have to rent the music and um, everything else. It just the royalties are more like five to ten thousand dollars. Yeah, so um, just the costs associated with having more people involved and and all of that is tremendous. So, and are you able to tap into local resources to mm-hmm. find all the talent you need to put on something such as a musical? Yeah, um, our entire cast for Chicago last year was all local, and they're amazing. All amazing local people. The other thing is, um, what about the the musicians as well? Yeah, we um, we yeah, there's tons of musicians that want to work. We had musicians that were pulled from the Jazz Foundation and the community bands, mostly. And then Laura Hutkin was our musical director. Yeah, we there, and there are different people that come out for different kinds of shows. So there are some people that only ever come and audition for a musical. And then there are other people that, like myself, who don't sing, that um, won't <laughs> come out for a musical and maybe only want to do a certain type of show or, you know, and then there's other. So, yeah, we're, it's easy to find the talent in town. And we work with people who have never done anything before to people like myself um, or other people in the community who have long histories in theater and um, maybe have degrees. Um, so it's really this fun mismatch of different levels of talent and they learn from each other too through the process. Um, but it, it's really great to work locally. I, I'm just shocked and su- I mean, happily surprised to, to hear that there's so much talent. I knew there was talent here, but I didn't realize so much to be able to put on uh, we'll call it a regular play versus a musical yep. performance here. That's that's impressive for the size of our community. So I guess size has nothing to do with it. It's it's all a matter of the diversity of the of the people. Yeah, and I think you know Jackson being such a unique sort of community with the transient nature of people coming in and out. I mean, your first question of what's your connection to Jackson? Uh, in most people aren't natives like I am. So I think that we're constantly having a flux in and out of different people. I've definitely, um, there are people who have been involved with us since the beginning that still do shows with us, but definitely like anything else, there's been a flux throughout, throughout our entire lifespan of different people coming in and out, but it gives people an outlet. It's also a really great way to meet other people, maybe outside of your regular social circle. I'll be right back with Macy after this quick message from the show's sponsor. Jackson Hole Marketplace has what you are looking for. Easy and convenient stop on the south side of Jackson. Conveniently located four miles south of town, right off the bike path. Jackson Hole Marketplace is an easy stop for commuters, hikers, bikers, and rafters. Be sure to stop in during the week to indulge in one of our new badass sandwiches. We build our sandwiches using 460 bread and meat from Cy Ginsburg Deli and Boar's Head Meats. Visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash JHM to learn a whole lot more. Well, let's go back to how you were born and raised here mm-hmm. and being in the in the art community, specifically the theater community. How have you seen that mature here in Jackson Hole from the time that you were a, ki- a child 
to now being an adult and the executive director of, of the Riot Act for 18 years? Well, you know, when I was a kid, there were some organizations that existed, like Grand Teton Music Festival and Dancers Workshop. I think Art Association was around as well. I actually danced with Dancers Workshop as a little kid. But there wasn't as much going on. And the cultural magnet that we think of is Jackson these days didn't really, wasn't really there. Um, it was more like there were some of these organizations that existed and they were providing things to the community, but it wasn't to the level that we do now. And things like the Fall Arts Festival, I think that started when I was in high school. And it was definitely more of like a ranching community and people would come here sometimes to go skiing. Like the ski hill wasn't the way it is now either. Like none of it was. And then it definitely like the transient, let's go visit the national parks in the summer. But it was more, you know, the ultra wealthy people weren't really here yet buying up the land and things like that. Um, it, it has changed a lot and some of it's good and some of it's not so good. But from the the perspective of, of theater, you, I would say, have had a major influence and impact on the maturity of it, of where, of how it's gone. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, we're really lucky to be able to support all of the theater that's in town and we, all the different theater companies offer something different. Um, the Playhouse's melodrama and put, um, focused on tourists in the summer we do our thing off square is focused on um you know bringing more well-known stuff and and bringing in actors and directors from out of town um and jackson community theater when they do stuff is really focused on community theater as you would think of community theater and the one thing that's kind of sad lately is that the since E.B. lewis retired the high school theater program is not what it used to be because that actually was almost a competition with the rest of us. But I, I think we're really fortunate to be able to support as much art as we can in this town. Um, and the great part, I think one of the magical things about Jackson is that you can live in this small community. And I think we all love the community aspect of being here, of how, you know, a lot of us know each other and we're out, we reach out and help each other. But at the same time, we have this level of arts and culture that's, that can compete with a big city. Um, so it's kind of, in some ways, the best of both worlds so that, you know, you don't need to live in a big city to really get some of those cultural offerings that you might miss from living in a big city. Yeah, it's not as often or as much, but we do have it here. I, I think that we are very blessed and, and a lot of people take it for granted mm -hmm. the resources that this community has not just being a small town but being a small western remote town yeah I, i'm not sure if everybody really really understands how remote we are at times because to get to the nearest mall of you want to call it that in idaho falls is an hour and a half away on a good day mm -hmm. And we get a lot of people that come through here, but when you see the the big name 
musicians that come through here. It's pretty amazing. But, but then you putting on a performance such as Streetcar Named Desire, which has a name and, um, you know, a reputation that it carries, says a lot for what our community desires to have. Yeah. I think our community, they want high quality productions so that they feel like if they're going to see something here, it's going to be as good as if they had seen it, you know, off Broadway or in a big city. So I think mm-hmm. that they, there, there is a hunger for arts and culture in Jackson for sure. Do you see that in other small Western towns as well? I don't. No. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think that the uniqueness of Jackson where we are, um, that a, first of all, it was a ranching and fur trapping community that evolved into the gateway to the national parks and the ski town aspect of it happened fairly late. Like the, I believe Teton village didn't open until 1968 or 69. Sounds um, about right. And, um, so it wasn't a, huge ski destination to begin with where some of these other places like Vale or Telluride or whatever like they're only big and famous because of their their ski area and and drawing attention there but I think Jackson has this uniqueness that I'm not sure anywhere else has because of of the way that it has evolved and what it's evolved from so it it's definitely a different unique community and a different unique place because of that. Like it's not just an old West town, like, I don't know, Reno or um, Carson city in Nevada. And it's not just a ski destination and it's not just the gateway to the national parks. It's a combination of all of those things and that's what draws people here it's very unique not to mention like the tetons and the way that so there are bigger mountains for example whistler and blackcomb is actually a higher ski area than than we are but because we have the tectonic plates and the the mountains you know are grow up from the valley and you can really see them the way we can here that's a unique thing as well. A lot of places where you're in the mountains, you're in the mountains. Like you can't see them the way that we do. So I think there's a lot of reasons why we're unique. Indeed. I, I certainly agree with that. Are, what are you seeing now that we're in this world of COVID-19 crap um, with all the social distancing? How is theater developing and struggling to stay alive during this and also helping people during all the social distancing and stay at home orders. So we have been doing a weekly online play reading series. Really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's available on our website. We are, this week will be week eight of doing the play reading series. And what we're doing is we're meeting in the middle of the week on zoom with however many actors want to participate and we read a play. We're picking plays that are in the public domain just so that there's no costs associated with it and we don't have to find royalties and reach out and blah, blah, blah. But um, so we've just been getting together and reading plays, which has been great. I know I live alone and that's been something for me to look forward to every week in a way to connect 
with people and also be creative. Um, so we're doing that and recording it. And then I edit it a little bit and we post it on our website for people um, to view. Uh, we're charging a $3 fee if you want to view the play. But um, you may not want to like watch us read if you don't want to, but even listening to the plays I think can be fun. We also, um, last week, I don't know if you heard, but we did, um, we pre-recorded War of the Worlds and Graham Coton um, and his friend Cole uh, edited it and added sound effects and whatever. And it was played on KOHL um, on Wednesday and Saturday. Um, so that was really a fun project as well. As this drags on longer, we're thinking of other ways we can do online programming. I have a very silly idea of doing, taking classic plays, like maybe a Shakespeare and uh, editing it down to like half an hour and doing it with puppets. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody make their own puppets. Like marionettes. What's that? Marionettes? Yeah. Marionettes or something. But uh, yeah, so we might get into that, but also, you know, we had to cancel our spring production so we're hoping to still be able to do that show at some point it's a smaller show with just three actors so we hope as we can start gathering again that we can get into rehearsals for that and hopefully put it up for audiences at the end of july but our plan for that is to limit the number of people in the audience and then also possibly offer a live streaming opportunity so if you're not comfortable coming out you can always live stream it at home so you're still seeing the live event it won't be the same as sitting in a room with other audience members but it still will be live as opposed to a pre-recorded thing and then we just launched um we had already planned on doing this we normally have our annual series of shorts, which has a playwriting competition called the New Play Festival connected to it. We usually do that and have the performances in June. But this season, we decided to switch that and we're going to offer the shorts performances in conjunction with Fall Arts Festival. Since Fall Arts Festival doesn't really have any performance art connected to it, so we wanted to bring something that was performance art at that time. So um, we just launched the competition. So submissions open on May 15th and close on July 15th. Um, And they're short plays. They're 20 to 30 minutes long. There's some guidelines that's associated with them. But it's a we've been doing that for about, I want to say like eight years now. But it's a great way to foster new playwrights and um, do get some new work out there. Way to go, Macy. Yeah, we're trying to stay alive and relevant and figure out ways to work around COVID. So, yeah. I I would say you're doing more than trying. (laughs) Certainly being active and making an impact because people need culture and arts right now. And what is the website for where people could go back and see some of these play readings? Um, it's riotactinc.org, and then there's a tab called, I think, Virtual Offerings, um, and they're all listed there. You can just click and figure it out. And can people also listen to War of the Worlds on there as well? Um, you know, I need to talk to KOHL and see what 
they plan because it was a it was a collaborative thing. I'm not really mm-hmm. sh- sure how we're gonna handle that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for doing put putting all this content out there, mm-hmm. which gives people something to do other than we'll pick on Netflix, Netflix or Amazon Prime binge watching of something that might not really provide much culture to you. Right. Where I think what you guys are performing and providing is going to offer a little bit more culture and some thinking, get the mind going a little bit more. Well, I think the other, the more important part um, is that the actors who have been involved in a weekly basis, like those of us that come from an artistic and creative background, I at least am somebody that if I'm not involved in something creative and artistic, I definitely like go down the dark depression rabbit hole. Um, So it's providing something for um, the performers to have an outlet, um, especially as this drags on and on and we don't have the actual live opportunities to be creative. Yeah. Well, please do not go down any dark holes. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want you there. We don't want anybody there. We want to do what we, everybody needs somebody right now. Exactly. Just like the song. Yeah. This has been so informative, Macy. I really appreciate what you're doing for our community because I have little boys and I look forward to when they have an interest or my wife and I are forcing them to perform a little bit in a play. Because I think it's just part of that developmental stage for us all to perform. Well, I think theater, even if you don't go into doing it um, like regularly in your life after school years, it, it develops so many things. Uh, of course, public speaking and being on a stage. But on top of that, there's theater is one artistic form that is collaborative and you can't do theater by yourself period even if you're doing a one person show there are other people behind the scenes involved so it's a great way to learn how to work with other people even if you don't get along with them it's an opportunity to test your memorization skills or to test your people skills you meet other people and overall it just teaches you the other thing is it teaches you to um, be really aware of other people because the art of acting is studying other people we have to you know, I have an exercise that I have my actors do sometimes where I tell them to follow somebody around the town square and try to walk like them or things like that. Like you've got to, <laughs> you know, you've got to do all of these things to, to get into a character, but that really takes a lot of thinking about how other people think, how other people move, how, what, what would your, why is your character motivated to do what they're doing? So you're really getting inside the head of, other people and starting to understand the individuals around you. So I think theater, um, whether or not you continue with it, is a really important part of development, or can be. And I'm really sad that the government and the school system don't think the arts are important because as somebody who was an athlete and, and, and in theater growing up, I think that 
A, theater is something that has pushed, have been something that I've been able to continue with. I was a ski racer and my knees are shot, so I can't even ski anymore. But it's also, it's as important as um, sports are, sports are important to us physically to make sure our bodies are, and other things. But I feel like the arts are important to us creatively and as to develop our brains and it's not just performance art it's any kind of art it's learning to be creative and almost any job you're going to have at some point you have to be creative on some level and and the arts are probably involved i mean the arts are around us all the time i mean all of that netflix and amazon you're watching there's a whole slew of artists behind that there's, um, you know, if you're a graphic designer and you're creating an advertisement for something, that's, you know, that's an artistic thing. Your podcast on, you know, on the back end is, is an artistic thing on some level. So I think that it's sad to see that our government and it doesn't think that the arts are important because they are a bedrock of who we are as human beings. It's why we have to take our own steps of action mm -hmm. to ensure that we all continue to have different um, forms of art in our lives. Mm -hmm. Music, acting, the visual, the physical, all, all of that is so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have, we have two boys and one, the oldest one can't stand to draw or color or anything. He'll sit and read a book all day long. The second one, he loves to color and build things and use Legos. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, so the oldest one, we have to push him a lot more to do some art. Well, reading isn't, that's, he's going into his own creative imagination, like reading something you have to imagine what those characters are like, or what that story is. And he may not be showing it in a way of like drawing. I was never very good at um, visual art either. Well, I sew, but I was never good at drawing or anything. My brother and my sister are, but, um, I think that there, but I was the kid who sat in my room and read books all the time. So there's something about developing that creative imaginative world that doesn't necessarily have to be in a physical way. It can be in an abstract thinking, emotional way. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. So what is the next reading that you'll be putting out for Riot Act? Um, we had a, a playwright submit a play that he would like to have us do um, that he's not going to charge us royalties. He just wants to hear it done. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Here We Are, and um, it's seven women that we'll be doing this week. Um, last week we did two short plays. We've done some Shakespeare. We've done, um, some Shaw. We've done, um, uh, we did Moliere. We've done a bunch of great famous playwrights already. Um, and I think that there's, there's a smattering of different kinds of things that different people will like. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm gonna have to go take a look at that. I had no cool. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. Yeah. So Macy, if somebody has an interest of wanting to perform and feels as though that they've never done anything in acting before in theater, how can they reach out to you to figure out 
a way that they may contribute? Um, there's a few ways. When we hold auditions, we always hold open auditions. You can just show up at an audition. You can email us um, or call us and we'll talk you through it. There are other ways. We're always looking for people to help backstage as well. So if you're maybe like wanting to just tepidly put your foot in, you might want to help out backstage, like doing set changes or something. So you can kind of feel what the machine does, but not necessarily be on putting yourself out there on stage. I also think shorts is a great opportunity for new people to get involved. Um, our short plays are wonderful because because they're only 20 to 30 minutes long, so the rehearsal process is much shorter. It's great for people who are busy and maybe don't have enough time to be part of a full-length production. Um, and it's also great for somebody who just wants to maybe try it out because they, again, don't have as big of a commitment to be involved in shorts. We often get a lot of new people wanting to be involved in that process. That process is also an opportunity for people to try their hand at directing if they've never directed before, but they want to try it, things like that. So we usually will pair a new director, somebody who hasn't directed before with a directing mentor. But yeah, I think that it's a great opportunity for all kinds of people to get involved. But yeah, we're, we're always open to having new people involved and love having new faces. So please come, come, come. <laughs> and, and what is the email for people to use to reach out to you? Info at riotactinc.org. Cool. This has been a great delight. Oh, good. To learn more about Riot Act and theater and the arts here in Jackson. I, I really appreciate what you're doing to keep it, keep it thriving in, yes. the, in our community. So thank you, Macy. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. We'll see you soon. Okay, thanks. To learn more about Macy and Riot Act, please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 90. If you know of anyone who'd be a fabulous guest, please send them my way. It's easy as sending an email to me at connect at the jacksonholeconnection.com. Many thanks to everybody who makes this podcast happen. My wife, Laura, and boys, Lewis and William, my brother Joshua, who always listens, my friend Richie in Atlanta, and Michael Morey, who does the editing and marketing for the Jackson Hole Connection podcast. I've really appreciated you listening today, and I look forward to seeing you back at the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.